0: Welcome back to the Anything Goes with Jackson Neil podcast right here on Tuesday, February 6th, 2018. So glad you can tune in right here on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Basically wherever you get podcasts, that's where I am. This week, had an awesome interview with Simon XO. The, the singer just debuted his career with two singles, Waiting for Me to Break and How Do I Fight It. I loved both of them, but he has a brand new EP covering coming out later this year. Really got to look forward to that. Here's my interview with him talking about the new singles, the upcoming EP, his time in college, and much more. Here you guys go. When did you decide to release music as a solo artist?
1: Um, Well, the writing process began a little over a year ago. Um, I was going through a breakup and uh, on the brink of a band breakup, and so I just had started to to write these songs that didn't really fit the band, the next thing you know, I was sort of making a project. And, you know, kind of before I knew it, if that makes sense. Um, So once that momentum got going, it just sort of became more and more obvious to me that this was a solo project and I needed to start going in that direction. Mm
0: -hmm. When did you know that these, you know, the first two songs you released, Waiting For Me To Break, and then How Do I Fight It? When did you know that those were going to be your first two singles?
1: (laughs) That is a good question. Um, I really, uh, I'm not quite sure. I mean, I knew that waiting for me to break, I knew that this, that was kind of the most singly of the ones that I had been writing. And so from early on, I sort of knew that, that I had wanted that to be one of the first ones that I was to release, but it's kind of a weird process. Once that happens, then you start to like double think yourself. And so it got cut from the chopping block of uh, being the first single and then back on and then back off and back on. Um, But eventually, yeah, it definitely became obvious that that was going to be the first one. How do I fight it? I was actually going to cut like two months before it had come out. (laughs) I was, uh, I was not entirely sure that that was, that that one was going to make it, but um, I actually got help from a buddy of mine. His name's Johnny shore that uh, he came in and he kind of helped me tweak it for the last 10% of it. And, then it kind of all came together, and I, I decided that, that was, it was a good idea for that one to come out towards the top as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it must be kind of a stressful process to pick your you know, the first two songs to show to everybody. I mean, I could never imagine trying to you know, narrow down. I mean, how many songs do you have recorded to pick down to
1: just two? Well, when, the process was, when I was in the midst of the process, I probably had around 30 songs that I was trying to choose between. Um, now the EP is down to six. So that, you know, it was a huge process just trying to cut in general and then having to decide what the order was going to be and what the order release was going to be. It was it was definitely nuts. Um, I had a friend of mine tell me once that uh, the creative process is 10 percent inspiration and 90 percent perspiration. So that was, you know, <laughs> yeah, it was it was that 90 percent perspiration that was really causing all that all that anxiety for sure.
0: <laughs> yeah, there's certainly there's certainly some work to go behind all that creativeness, I guess.
1: Yeah, absolutely. It was, uh, it was quite a process. And it's interesting because, you know, as you get towards the end of it, um, you, you know, they they don't really become the songs that you had imagined at the beginning anymore. You know, they kind of become like this alien thing that you're like, is this even music? Because you've listened to it so many times, you know, that, uh, you know, by the end of it, you definitely have to try to figure out how to, how to, how to maintain the, uh, the perspective that you were trying to have on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Because once you listen to a song, I guess you know dozens of times in a row, you mean, you become kind of conditioned to it. So it's maybe it's nice to you know maybe get fresh ears on the song and you know get other people's opinions so you know you're not hearing the same exact thing over and over right. and over
1: again. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I'm I'm a pretty obsessive listener. So I thought you know when I was when I was a teenager and stuff, I thought I had listened to a song more times than anyone ever anyone else had. And then I started making my own music, and I'm like, nope. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever made the song has listened to it way more than they would ever want to, and that's, that's true for every single song that's been put out. It's absolutely true. <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: Well, you mentioned your EP covering; it's supposed to come out uh, this year. What should we What should we re- uh, expect on this?
1: So it's a uh, it's a pretty introspective project. Um, you know, as I said earlier, I was kind of going through. Breakups in, def- in different fashions, all at the same time, um, and I was really it had it had shown that it was it wasn't just it wasn't just a circumstance that I was sort of having a pattern of behavior, and so these songs were kind of my therapeutic way of sort of trying to figure out um, why I was putting myself in in painful situations and things like that. Um, so you know, there's songs like like the two that released that are kind of more up and more uh, and more danceable and stuff, but they still have introspective components to them, especially in the lyrics. And I think that that, that show, it gets showcased even more on the other songs, that there's a lot more, uh, you know, me trying to analyze what I what I was going through and why I had put myself there.
0: Mm-hmm. How important do you think it is to, you know, have that introspection in your music?
1: You know, I go back and forth with that a lot. Um, I don't necessarily think that it's it's 100% necessary to have that introspection, but I can't seem to get away from it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's hard for me... It you know, because writing is such a therapeutic process that anytime it becomes anything other than that, it uh, it becomes harder and harder for me to write write the songs. So, you know, I all I know, all I can say is that for me, that introspectiveness is sort of a key component to why I write, mm-hmm. though I don't necessarily think that it's, you know, a necessary part of anybody who, who writes music, if that makes sense. You know, I think there's some really good songs out there that are that are way less intense than the ones that I write. And that's, I'm really, I'm really happy that that music exists. <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly. It's great to have, you know, kind of a blend of everything. There, you know, everyone doesn't have to be incredibly introspective in their music, but obviously some musicians get that. Where do you find yourself getting, you know, most of the inspiration uh, for the songs that you write?
1: Um, Let's see. That's a good question. What I try to do, you know, in the best, I, I heard uh, um, Joy Williams, who's the, she was the uh, songwriter. She was one of the two people in um, in uh, oh that that uh, that country band from a while back. But she has her own project now. Um, mm-hmm. I heard her say once that uh, songs are the best way that she writes songs are when she starts with a question that she asks herself. And I can't say that I always succeed at doing that, but that that always felt felt like something that was extremely inspiring to me. That the questions that I'm asking myself myself all the time are usually the ones that end up being really good songs. So I try to push that as my inspiration and try to, you know, take a second and think about what I've been thinking about. And that usually ends up becoming the biggest place of my, my inspiration. I,
0: well, I could definitely see that. I mean, you know, look at your, one of your first two singles, how do I fight it? I mean, there's a question right there. So, it's literally a question. <laughs> yeah. It's literally a question. So I, I think that's an interesting kind of concept. Um, I want to talk a little bit about you had in your past. You attended USC's yeah. Thornton School of Music for the trombone. What did. what what did you learn there that has helped you so far in your solo
1: career? Well, USC was actually a really interesting experience. I came in as a trombone player, and I actually came in as a jazz trombone player. Um, but I had also applied to their popular music program, and I had kind of always had inklings of not wanting to just be a trombone player. I was really into this guy named trombone shorty when I was in high school. And the reason I was into him was because he was a trombone player trying to do pop music. And that was really inspiring to me. Um, so pretty quickly in my time there, I, I tacked left (laughs) until I got myself completely into the, the popular music program. And I, by the time the first year was over, I had kind of completely transitioned away from the trombone and was focusing on songwriting and production there. Um, but I think that the, in general, the trombone has really, really helped me understand music in a, in a more than purely emotional sense, which for me, who is an extremely emotional person and someone who writes from an extremely emotional place, it's been really good to get the knowledge of music theory and kind of understanding it from an instrumentals standpoint. And so I think the combination of that is kind of where USC came in. They were really good at kind of bringing things from both perspectives there. Um, so, yeah, I really have a lot, a lot to credit USC for they really helped me kind of pull all of that together, especially in the production realm and kind of help me figure out how to turn something that's just a song into something that's a record. And that's a really important thing, obviously. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's that kind of melding
0: together of that emotional place. It's almost the technical side of actually getting it done and conveying that kind of message. Um, so, you know, you, you be playing the trombone, does that kind of make you want to use maybe, you know, less conventional instruments and production in your songs, or do you want to go more of like a traditional route, I guess?
1: That's interesting. Um, I think for a long time, I I had kind of tried to ask myself the question, uh, how can I incorporate the trombone into the music that I write? And I think that a lot of that came from a place of thinking that the trombone was my strong suit. So if I could incorporate it, then it would make me feel a little bit more secure about whatever it was that I was putting out that wasn't based on the trombone. But the farther and farther I've gotten into kind of understanding production and and being an artist as a whole, the less I feel inclined to using the trombone necessarily. But I definitely, you know, I, if you, if you've ever seen, if you ever take a look at my studio, it's like there's about a bajillion synths that are all in one corner with a couple you know, like there's always, I'm always trying to find a new sound and find that, you know, whatever thing that sparks the inspiration. Um, And I think that, that the the coming at it from such a such a weird angle to start with the trombone was definitely a, a a way of opening the door for me that it doesn't have to be conventional, doesn't have to start with, you know, just a guitar, you know, whatever it might be, um, definitely.
0: Kind of opened your mind so that you can see, okay, you can make a great song, but from an untraditional starting point from a way that maybe it hasn't been done before, maybe a different route than uh, most musicians would take.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. and And, you know, it's always a, it's always a struggle actually, you know, because you hear so much music and they all, there's all, there's all these lineages that are, that are all kind of coming down. And, and it's really cool to like, you know, you hear a song and you kind of hear what lineage it's part of. And there's something really spiritual and and really uh, intensive about that. But I think it's the, it's the balance of trying to see like what came before and what, what works and what, you know, what other people have put onto the, onto the template before, and then how to figure out, how to add your own flair to it and to fight against that to to make something that's also unique at the same time. I definitely think that that's that's something that trombone gave me because I came from such a weird angle at it at first, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, that definitely makes sense. So now looking forward to the rest of 2018, do you have somewhat of a general time frame for the release of this EP?
1: Uh yes and no, actually you know I, I uh, you know these first these first two songs are the first things I'm releasing, so I kind of want to gauge see. Um, you know, what, what, what makes sense and what works. I definitely have a couple other songs that are, that are going to come out before the whole EP comes out. So I'm excited. I'm still working on finishing those up. Um, but yeah, in general, you know, there's a time I'm hoping for the EP to come out sometime during the summer or late summer or something like that. Um, right now I'm focusing a lot on, on the, the live show and trying to put all that together and start playing. So there's definitely a very, very vague, uh, vague arc (laughs) to the year, but it's, it's really nice to see, you know, see where everything lands and, and kind of decide from there.
0: Exactly. Just see where everything takes you. So you're planning on playing some live shows this year?
1: I am. Absolutely. I, uh, I've just started doing a couple rehearsals and stuff with some of my best friends that are in this band that I put together. So I'm, I'm pretty excited. Yeah.
0: Well, from what I've heard from musicians, There's one level of, you know, recording the music and releasing it, but it's a whole new experience when you get to play it live. Um, So I'm really looking forward to you uh, being able to do that. Really looking forward to any new music you have out. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. All right. I will listen out for that covering EP when it drops. Right now, listening to to Waiting for Me to Break and How Do I Fight It. Thank you, Simon. Awesome.
1: Thank you so much. Appreciate it.
0: A big thanks to Simon for coming onto the show. Remember, check out his debut singles, Waiting for Me to Break and How Do I Fight It? Both of them out right now. Go check those out. Also, he has his covering EP coming out, like he said, summer, maybe late summer in 2018. We'll keep you guys updated on that. That'll wrap it up for this edition of Anything Goes with Jackson Neal. Remember, this is the podcast featuring the interviews. You can check out the full show on 107.9 FM WRML. Tuesday nights, 6 to 8 p.m. right here in Southern New Jersey. If you can't be in the area, don't worry. I tweet out the listen-in link so you can listen in live from anywhere you are in the world. Just follow me on Twitter, at neil 20 I'll tweet that out as soon as the show goes live every single Tuesday night right here, 6 to 8 Eastern time. The podcast directly following the show. Remember, check out the podcast feed. Check out past interviews I've done. Every single interview I've ever done on the show is right here archived, right here on SoundCloud, Stitcher, and iTunes. Also, throughout the week, I update this feed with the Jackson Neal Sports and Music Podcast. Those come out about four, five times a week where I discuss the latest issues in sports and music. Like I said, follow me on Twitter, at neil 20 to catch updates. as when well. all my podcasts are up, and the Listen In Live link as soon as the show starts. Thank you so much for listening. I'll see you all next week.